It's witchcraft. <laughs> hey, it's 4:20 a.m. Hi, and welcome to episode 53 of the Stoned Witches Hour. On this podcast, two best friends who are separated by fate and distance get together to talk about all things ghostly and paranormal while blazing the sweetest chronic in the U.S. of A. Representing the spookiest of ghosts and the dankest of weed, I'm Layla. And on the East Coast, that is, as far as weed goes, the Beast Coast, I'm Shell. You got the beast weed today. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I do. I do. I think I do today. You know, you've always got like the highest THC. I'm smoking some blue cookies, which are beautifully purple and gorgeous and taste phenomenally smooth with a nice 28% THC right up there. But if you've got some beast weed, I'm guessing it's probably higher even than that. What you smoking, Shell? This is weird. It's called Crescent Sun. What the fuck? I thought... Crescent goes with moon, but this is crescent sun. Like, what I are they using that AI program to come up with weed cultivar <laughs> names now? <laughs> you know, they probably are. I mean, I'm intrigued by crescent sun, but you know, normal naming conventions say you take one of the OG names and you combine them in fun ways. Blue cookies is probably blue dream is blue dream and girl scout cookies combined together you know it's history you know it's parentage based on the name you know that's been kind of i don't know where it came is... from i don't even know what they mixed to put it in i don't even know but what i do know it's 32 percent thc i knew it when you said beast i knew you were gonna be bringing the thc to the chat show and it's making me really want these snack factory pretzel crisps by the way <laughs> oh i'm so not surprised you and your snacks what do you say? You can't go 10 minutes without munching on something? Pretty much. Pretty much. Possibly no, all the weed that you smoke. But, you know, hey, I'm not who am I to judge? I'm sitting here with my Triscuits and cheese. So I can't say that I don't have the munchies. Exactly. But, you know, it's it's better than the last. The last stuff I had was really good. Um, that Michigan mouth. But a little too sleepy for a little too sleepy for me. You know, sometimes I need to be able to do stuff and yeah you you that. like the you like the high thc but you don't like the sleepy weeds you know you like the weeds that allow you to get things done not if it can be like the hybrids i know you've mentioned before you've had a weed where if you want to sit down and be relaxed and chill you can and if you want to be up and do things you can but you don't like the ones that like make you couch lock and sleepy for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, please go back to the latest episode, episode 52, where I have the sleepy weed and was probably dragging ass in that episode. <laughs> now, I'm okay. I'm going to admit Crescent Sun weed had me curious. Did so you I Google to, it? I did Google it. There's nothing. It? I've never heard of it. Okay. The only thing I see here is um, Sons of Blood, a vampire romance novel. <laughs> Crescent Sun, Sons of Blood, a vampire romance novel. <laughs> so what you can do is get that book, rip out the pages, and roll your weed in it. <laughs> I don't know. This was not my normal store, so this could have been like a local local farmer. I, I, I went to a more non-mainstream store. Um, is it just me or with the the legalization in a lot of states that we're seeing, are we seeing growers, like local growers, just doing that kitchen sink thing we've talked about before and just growing whatever and then naming it 
whatever. Well, it seems like a lot of the stores around, not a lot, but there's a bunch, there, there's a handful. They create their own product. Is that what I'm saying? They grow their own product. Yeah, they grow their own. Create, I would think, assumes breeding. I, you know, I always talk about Happy Valley generally. I love Happy Valley up in Gloucester. They've got a facility. Let me tell you, like this place is huge and they have their own huge ass grow. So like they are growing their product for the most part. But then you might go to other stores, let's say Insa. They're a big, huge store across Massachusetts, um, several locations. Insa also grows their own, but they also pull in from other growers. Whereas Happy Valley, they only sell their own product. Whereas at Insa, you can buy Happy Valley product at Insa. I see, I see. They grow their own, but also buy from other farmers to sell. So, you know, some of these stores, who are they? Are are they buying from a local farmer? Are they buying from a commercial farmer? Like, I don't know. I ain't asking these questions to the cashier. The cashier probably doesn't know either. Yeah, it really depends on the location. You hear all the time about bud tenders who can tell you where that particular flower came from, what location, how it was grown, how it was taken care of. But for the most part, you're not going to get that unless you have a store like Happy Valley that's seed to sale. Right, right. And I'm, I'm just wondering if there is now, as legalization gets to be bigger, if there's a proliferation of these seed to sale places or just local farmers that are growing their own cultivars, that are saying, you know, instead of doing the tried and true cultivars that everyone is familiar with, you know, Gorilla Glue, Girl Scout cookies, wedding cake, Afghan Kush, White Widow. Pineapple Express. Pineapple, right. Instead of all these tried and true familiar ones, if more people aren't going the backyard mutt puppy route and kind of just breeding their own, whether on a from a backyard scale to a professional breeder scale, and then just selling the output under whatever name, you know, and, right. and so what little genetics information that we had from illegal is days now gone. is now completely gone. And I think right. we're going to need to rely on science and testing to really give us a, a good idea because now you, whatever you buy, it could be Crescent Sun. What the fuck is that? I don't know. I can't even tell if it's, you know, an indica or a sativa. Most likely it's a hybrid because that's an indica leaning hybrid because that's what everybody does. But the name gives me as an OG smoker gives me no idea of what's in there. And, and, and I think that that is where we're going to find some more laws come into place um, before federal legalization. And that's going to be, there's going to have to be some standards. There's going to have yeah. to be some standards. And yeah. it's not that I dislike standards, but figure your shit out and do it quickly. If that's yes. if you want legislation, just get it done. Yeah, that's going to need to tell us the THC, CBD, major terpenes, you know, right. aroma flavors. And I, and I think that that's where, you know, like you said, testing and legitimacy and having good bud tenders is really going to come into play because, you know, what little information that we used to try and keep through the names we've kind of lost. Right, right. But make no mistake, those OG names are still out there. Oh, yeah, they definitely are. I can make a 20-minute drive right now. I can, I can get right off of this Zoom call right now and make a 20-minute drive and get wedding cake. No problem. Absolutely. But, you know. And that's the joy of legalization. You know I'm always up for trying something new, though. So I hear a new name and I'm like, what is that? Well, let me give it a go. Oh, that's the THC content definitely in the bag. <laughs> I think 
I've really started to be on a hunt in the new places that I go to, you know, anywhere that I'm staying for any length of time, I'm trying to connect with local growers, you know, hop on the local Reddit, find the the people who are growers. And it's, it's still difficult. It's still difficult. Everyone's still kind of secret. No one wants to talk about it, but that's where you're going to find the fire. That's where you're going to find the dankest weed, you know, right. the best pot you have ever had in your fucking lives is going to be from those small craft growers in your area. And if you can find them, hold on to them and cherish those bitches because that's where the good stuff's at and where it's going to continue to be at, especially as commercialization makes everything kind of a factory process. Right. You're going to you're going to lose some of those better things, those better aromas, the better cultivars, the better flavors. You can't have your cake and eat it too, man. You want legalization. You're going to have to give up some things. You mean you can't have your wedding cake and eat and it eat too? It too. <laughs> you can't have your wedding cake and smoke it too. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> well, as much as you know me, I absolutely love to talk about weed all day long. And I will sit here and talk about it all day long. I'm pretty sure Shell sometimes gets me talking about pot when she's really high. <laughs> you know, maybe she's too scared of her story for the day and she's trying to distract me because she knows I'll talk weed for hours. <laughs> so what are you so scared of today, Shell? What are you talking about today? You know, I'm about to throw you for a loop and I am going to, I'm going to talk about something that is totally unlike me out of character. Ooh, I'm, I'm intrigued. You know, sometimes we chat beforehand and tell each other what what we're going to talk about. Sometimes we plan it. And then there's days like today where you do not know shit about what I'm going to talk about. Last episode, at the end of last episode, when we were talking about this episode, we both said, so what are you going to do? Do you know what you're doing for next episode? And both of us said, I have a list. <laughs> we did. We did. I'm going to pick from the list. And so I have no idea what you got from your grab bag. I, I also picked from the list. And I wouldn't say this is different for me, but uh, it's it's definitely interesting. I'll, I'll laugh. At, I'll, I'd actually laugh if by some cosmic fate we, we had the same damn story. I doubt it. Now you've really got my curiosity <laughs> heightened. I'm dying to know. What state? Just tell me what state. And now, let's say I'm at the same time. We'll say our states at the same time. You ready? One, two, three. Alaska. Okay. Massachusetts again. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just said Massachusetts because I I should have just known. Usually I'm like a, a cryptid whore. Let's just say it for what it is. You I'm are the queen whore. cryptid, the sacred whore of the yeah, I do. I love them. anthropomorphic set. And whereas you are like this true crime crazy lady. <laughs> Thanks, Shell. I think. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> it is. It is. It is okay. a loving compliment. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We meet in the middle with the ghosty paranormal. That's true. That's true. So okay. I did not pick from my list, as a matter of fact. I have been so wrapped up in this. Um, I can't even, I can't even, I'm following it every day. I'm going the true crime route. There is a current story. Wait, going what? On. I'm going true crime. Shell is telling a true crime story. Oh my freaking gods. Oh my gods. I, told I feel you. like a proud mother. <laughs> I told you I was throwing you for a loop. You did. Head over heels. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Let me get my bowl. Get my blankie. All right. Go ahead. You're going to need to because this one, this is fucked up. So this is a current story. 
you know, I, I've also, you know, I know you're, you're enthralled still in the Idaho case, which we talked about a few episodes back. That's still ongoing. So fucking sad. So hard to turn away from. This one's fucked up too. Well, I can't say I'm happy about it. I am curious to hear, but. Like I said, um, this is a story going on currently in Massachusetts. And I have like a, there, I have some personal tidbit that I want to put in here. And it's what made me kind of catch on to following this story. If you have been watching any of the national news, this has been all across the world news. Anna Walsh. And she is. Oh, been yeah. The miss- missing wife. Yep. The missing wife. She's been missing. The last time she was seen was in the early hours of New Year's Day, but she wasn't reported missing until January 4th. You know, we've talked about I'm I'm in Salem, um, what here in Massachusetts we like to call the North Shore. Um, basically, that means we're on the shore north of Boston and Anna Walsh is from what we call the South Shore area. Um, so a little south of Boston. OK, so I've heard of this story and I've followed it somewhat because of the twists and turns. So I am super interested to hear, you know, your analysis of what's going on and get more details. But one thing I did not know is how close to you this was. I had no idea. No, no, you're going to, you're going to freaking, you're going to fall off your chair. I hope you got a seatbelt on that chair because you're going to want to buckle up, buttercup. I'm grabbing a teddy bear to go with my blankie because this is a sad fucking story. Now, before I get into the story itself. I want to tell you how I got caught up in the story. Okay. Like I've been following this like literally every day. Oh shit. Please don't tell me you have some type of connection to this story because that would make it so much sadder. No, no, no. Not that bad. But one night, I want to say this was maybe two weeks ago. I can't give you an exact day. I smoked too much weed. But me and my sweet love decided we were going to Costco. (laughs) The one thing you never want to do high is go to Costco, folks, because you go in there. We went in there for orange juice and we came out like $200 later. (laughs) I love Costco. Oh, no, Shell. The last thing you want to do is go into a big box store like Costco. Fucking high. Why? What? Whatever possessed you? Side note, they sell Cinnabon buns there. (laughs) Oh, well. Cinnabon, yeah. I mean, you probably smelled that from miles away. Oh my god, it was horrible. So, anywho, you know, we're we're driving to Costco, and we have a couple trauma centers locally. So there's like a med flight helicopter that we see frequently. You know, you kind of tend to be like, oh, there's the helicopter. So we're driving to Costco, and we're going up Route One. And I'm like, wow, look at that helicopter. It's like really low circling. And there's like, no, that's not where the hospital, it's not near any of the hospitals locally. Oh no. So we're driving and I'm like, that's so weird. And I'm like, wait, babe, there's like five helicopters circling. I'm like, look, oh, shit. I'm like they were circling a refined area. A very Outside refined- of LA in Southern California, where I mainly live. That's not uncommon. Like we see helicopters in the sky. A lot of times they'll do announcements like to tell you why why they're there. But really? seeing, yeah, the missing child, you know, they'll, they'll announce that they're searching for a missing child or a missing person or. Yeah, they don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's common enough that, that that would not be unusual to me. 
Not common here. Okay. Not common here. Now you might get the news helicopters like doing traffic and, you know, maybe police helicopters here and there. Never ever in the time I've lived here, never in upstate New York. Have you seen four to five helicopters circling a very refined circular area, literally going in circles, relatively low. Interesting. And it was getting to be dark. So like you could see their lights and it was like, what the fuck is going on here? And all we could think of is that there was a huge, huge accident. Sure, logical assumption. You know, we got 95 running through here. So, you know, there's always an accident. Right. So we go into Costco. We spend way too much money. We come out of Costco and the helicopters are still there. And I mean, we were probably in Costco a good hour. And I'm like, what the hell? We go home not knowing what's going on next day. I've always told you I'm fascinated with uh, dailymail.com. It's where I go for my news. I'm weird. Yes, that's true. Don't judge me. So I get on Daily Mail the next day. And this is primarily run by the British media. So when you see stories- (laughs) You and your obsession with Britain and the Queen and the the whole royal family- (laughs) But they do have they do have a whole page that's that's basically American focused. It's interesting to get your American news from an outside focus. I do think that's very interesting to do. That's why I do it. First thing that pops up is this this Anna Walsh. And I'm like, oh wow, you know, that pretty lady. And unfortunately, you know, I don't know what's up lately, but it seems like there's been a lot of missing people. So I'm like, that's really sad. And I'm looking, you know how we always joke about my pronunciations of towns around here. It's Massachusetts' fault, not yours. It, I swear I had that conversation at work yesterday. I'm not the one that said. <laughs> Somebody got really, really drunk when they came up with those names and were trying to tell the indigenous people of the area, wait, repeat that again slower, and then tried to write it down. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. I am reading all the letters and the words. It's not my fault. I just kind of glanced at this article because it said Massachusetts woman. And I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, it's not like this is a huge state. And so I kind of look at it a little bit and they said that evidence was found in uh, Peabody. And I'm like, Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. (laughs) Peabody. I'm like, what? Because, you know, you've been here. You've checked up with me. You know, that's that that's like the next town. Like right there. And I'm like, what? So I, I pull up the article and I start reading it. You know, the helicopters I had seen the night before. Yeah. So what this what this man had done supposedly, allegedly, somebody has put bloody rugs, like a saw, some some bloody clothing and stuff. And it ended up in a garbage disposal area about six miles from my home. Are you shitting me? Like, I can't even. So the night at Costco. fucking kidding? So the night I'm at freaking Costco, the helicopters I saw, you know what they were doing? Oh, shit, Shell. What were they doing? They were all news and police helicopters that were watching the FBI sift through our freaking garbage area (gasps) for evidence. Oh my fucking gods. Oh my, wow. Wow. And they found it. That poor woman. So that I think what they found um, the night I was at Costco and saw the helicopters, I think what they found at the the garbage that night was like the bloody rug. Um, I think they found a saw some sheets that were bloody, some clothing mm. that was bloody. Yeah. They 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 found evidence, but that what the helicopters were that basically fucker. doing. Yeah. So, you know, let me back up a little minute. Um, you know, we'll back up a second. So Anna Walsh, mother of three, Serbian is her is her original nationality. 
her and her husband and their children have a house in Cohasset, Massachusetts, which, like I said, kind of South Shore area. Her husband, which I do want to point out, has been charged with murder in the last day or two. Um, His name is Brian Walsh. Basically, what the theory is, is that he murdered her and dismembered her. Jesus and then God. what the deal is with my local area and how he went from the South Shore to the North Shore is his mother um, lives another town over from me in Swampscott. And he drove the evidence, we'll call it. Um, he drove the evidence up to his mother's. Oh, fucking A. And put it in her garbage. So he he brought like the bloody rug and all of that and brought it up to his mother's garbage in her dumpster. She lived in an apartment wow. complex. They do wait, have- wait, hold on, hold on. So the killer, mm-hmm. let's just allegedly the husband. Who has been charged. Fuck her. He hasn't been he hasn't been, you know, convicted. Right. The husband allegedly took these bloody items and had the idea. He was smart enough to take it away, but he took it to his fucking mother's house. We'll call it about a 45-minute drive north. His poor mother's house. Yep. That fucking asshole. And put it in the dumpsters in her apartment complex. Oh, my fucking gods. What the fuck? What the fuck? They also found on video surveillance footage that he had dumped a couple other bags at at a Walgreens and a CVS on the way from the South Shore to the North Shore, but that the bulk of the stuff that that he disposed of, he disposed of around the North Shore. So the FBI and the police had had found this out. And basically the night I went to Costco was when they had the warrants ready to go through um, because obviously the dumpster was picked up by the garbage man and then the garbage man went and dumped it. So then they had to go dig through that um, garbage dump. So they were doing that. That's what the helicopters were doing when I was at Costco. Wow. So then, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it. you know, between seeing the helicopters. So kind of having that finding out what was happening at the moment that I saw something happening. And then and then, you know, that being in Peabody and then on the other side of Salem is Swampscott. And that's where the mom lived. So, like, he brought the stuff to one side of Salem. It got disposed of on the other side of Salem. So, like, it was so close to home to me that, like, I just got, like, I've been following this thing. Yeah. So, you know, basically, she was last seen, like I said, on New Year's Day. And this guy is, like, he looked up some some not-so-good stuff on Google. What do you mean, Shell? I know exactly what you mean, but tell us what you mean, Shell. <laughs> this is so, the part that really gets me. I mean, the the fucking audacity. Really, he looked up. He looked up stuff like ten ways to dispose of a dead body if you really need <gasps> to. How to stop a body from decomposing? Oh my fucking! How long God. before a body starts to smell? Like stuff like that. I'm sure this was all for his novel that he was writing, right? The fucking sick bastard. You know, and here's the thing. This is what's weird. This guy was already on the FBI's radar. Wait, what? You're not even. Wait, gonna- wait, wait. Before <laughs> she even went missing, what the fuck? No, not not for anything related. He's like some freaking illegal art smuggler or some shit. No shit. So he's already like a bad dude from the dark underbelly of art smuggling. Yeah, like, you know, like the priceless art type underground bullshit. Oh, wow. He, wow. He, so he like not You think he'd be smarter than to 
Google shit and then appear on fucking cameras. <laughs> what the hell? Like I said earlier, um, a couple days ago or yesterday, he was charged with murder, improper transport of remains, and misleading police in connection with her disappearance and presumed death. They have not found her yet, but the presumption... Well, is- he Googled how to fucking hide a body, so he probably got some good information. Left a trail, but got good information, I'm sure. They believe that she has been scattered in various garbage bags between his house and his mother's house. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. He has pleaded not guilty to all three charges. Like I said initially when I started, she um, is originally from Serbia, and that is where her mother is from. And I think this is the saddest part in the whole world. Her mother gets sadder. Her mother is probably around 70 or so. Oh, shit. Her mother just thinks that she might have just left and disappeared to get away. And she she won't accept it, basically. I mean, honestly, would you break that 70-year-old woman's heart and tell her? Or would you let her have some sort of hope that her daughter's out there alive somewhere? Oh, God, that breaks my fucking heart. The problem is, is the investigators retrieved 10 trash bags of evidence. And the evidence includes parts of her necklace, her vaccination card, cleaning products, a hacksaw, a hack, uh, a hatchet, and Anna and Brian's DNA was found on slippers and an industrial full, uh, an industrial full body hazmat suit. Now, isn't this the same guy that didn't he also appear on a local like big box store or something buying cleaning products and things? Or was you know yeah. he was he was seen buying like cleaning products and and maybe even the saw or something? But like he he even had a full body hazmat suit and it and that wow. and, and that hazmat suit had both his and her DNA on it. Oh fuck! Don't they have kids? They have three small children. Oh, no, and the, no no no! You know what's no. even worse? I think what? the it gets I, worse. The oldest child, I think, is six. Oh, fuck. Literally. Oh, poor kids. Six years old. Damn. You know, I was talking to to my, my boyfriend yesterday about this, and I was like, you know, what do you do? Like, sorry, kids, your dad hacked up your mom. These kids have lost both parents. Both parents. That is horrific. And that not is, only... Not I only can't even lose, imagine. Not only did they lose both parents, but... One of their parents is currently charged with the gruesome murder of their other parent. Now, things get a little sticky-wicky because, you know, so I told you about the art dealer thing. Yeah, that's bizarre. Anna owned multiple properties worth about $2 million. And there was the potential of issues that were leading to divorce. So did she own them? Or did that scumbag put them in her name so that he could hide assets? No, she owned them and he wanted them. Because one of the Google searches was, um, how can he inherit the stuff, basically? I don't know. I wonder. But basically, she kind of had a high-powered job based out of D.C. And she'd kind of go back and forth between Boston and D.C. for her job. And he didn't like that she had an escape route? I think he was getting jelly. Little jealousy here. From what I gather... And, you know, I am not the popo here, but from what I gather, she was becoming the main source of income. She was the one that... Oh, what? Their art smuggling was drying up? (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems like, you know, 
she had a couple properties in DC and a couple properties up here kind of thing. She was going places and he was just kind of the loser husband. Right. I mean, that's really what it sounds like is that basically he was the loser husband, but unfortunately three beautiful boys. (sighs) Yeah. And you know, that type, when they start to lose power, you know, they absolutely blame the people in their lives and would totally blame the, you know, their wife for the reason why they've lost that power, even when it's entirely their own shit. So she was like, she was like a a real estate investment manager. Um, like I said, out of DC. So like, she was like getting getting up there in the financial world. You know, her paychecks were doing nothing. Yeah, making her own way, buying some shit, taking care of her own money, making investments. Right. Because basically this this real estate investment organization um assisted immigrants coming to America and because she had been an immigrant, you know, it was her thing. Very cool. Oh yeah, fuck. So- even worse. And you know, when you're in the real estate business, you know. You got work parties and you got work functions. And this guy was just getting, I think, just downright jealous. She was beautiful, social. And he's just, like I said, kind of the the loser toe along husband. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a down and out former art smuggler with no prospects and uh and she's an a jealous streak. And she's an up and coming real estate investment manager. Right. So, and but you know, I mean, they had kids literally every two years, two, four, and six. Which, unfortunately, this in the worst part is because the grandmas in Serbia, the children are currently um, in the custody of his parents, the Department of Children and Family Services. They're under the custody of the state of Massachusetts. Those poor babies. I hope they get an excellent foster home. Yeah. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. All you wonderful foster parents out there, more power to you. You need more money. Yeah. But, you know, I guess where this guy started going wrong was trying to sell his fake Andy Warhol paintings. So (laughs) isn't that where we all go wrong? Right. He did at one point um, plead guilty to wire fraud, interstate transportation for a scheme to defraud and possession of converted goods and unlawful monetary transactions. In that particular case, I, I have to wonder, was it the Maryland one or was it the tomato soup can one? Like. (laughs) <laughs> which which Warhol do you think got him in trouble? Like, I know there's more than that, but I bet it was one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> so the even more fucked up thing about this is at the time of her death, he was actually wearing an ankle bracelet and under house arrest under the art dealing bullshit. What the fuck? Yeah. How does someone under house arrest wearing an ankle monitor dispose of a fucking body? Because what the um, hell? His ankle bracelet was not equipped with GPS tracking, first off. Damn. That's almost as big of an oversight as this whole Kia being able to be hacked by the end of a USB cord bullshit that's going on right now. Like, who made these design decisions? That's not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like like you stated, you pointed out Mr. Walsh was seen on security camera footage. Um, He bought... Who the hell? Okay. I have, I've gone on cleaning benches <laughs> before. We know I've gone on cleaning benches before. You've gone on cleaning oh, benches Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. If a man shows up at a store and buys $450 <laughs> of cleaning products, red flag, red flag, okay? <laughs> a man in $450 <laughs> cleaning products, dude. Preach it, Shell. <laughs> right, a murderer. And, and he also got tarps 
buckets, disposable masks and gloves. So like this guy was setting himself up and, and no one thought anything of it. If I was a cashier and a man bought 450, I I, I don't know. I'm calling the popo. I'm, calling I'm pretty popo. sure. I'm fairly certain that there are, I vaguely remember from back in the day, and I would love if any of our listeners have ever heard of this to let me know. But I have heard before that there actually is like a signal, like a bat signal that goes out. If somebody comes through a store and buys like bleach, a hacksaw, duct tape, rope, and tarps, you know, that sets off like a signal at the police station or something. I've heard vague rumors of this. So if anyone has ever heard anything like that, please let me know if it's true or if it's not true. Um, but it should if it doesn't. Right? <laughs> as much as I hate the nanny police state, at the same time, I do love when it's used for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but officially, um, locally to me, within like 10 miles of my house. So fucking creepy. Um, investigators found in, in Peabody, I'll say it right for all you folks. I'll say it right this time, just because I'm serious about this. Yeah, sure. But in, in Peabody, um, investigators found trash bags with blood. They found a hatchet, a hacksaw, a rug, used cleaning supplies, and multiple other things at a transfer station in Peabody. And where in Peabody is roughly 45 miles, um, like I said, away from Cohasset. They impounded the guy's car. And it shows signs of being recently extensively detailed. Of course it does. Of course it does. This is crazy sad. And, and like I said, he was just charged, but he pleaded not guilty. So like, what, you know, I don't know. All right. So this has been process. I'm going to say a name and tell me if you remember this, because this has given me strong vibes of another case that happened very similar. Also very, very close to where you lived at the time. Michelle Ann Harris and Cal Harris. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Michelle Ann Harris is a woman that disappeared the night of fucking September 11th. Like the September 11th, 2001. That same day. She disappeared that night and was never seen again. Right. Her husband at the time, she was separated from and was trying to get a divorce from. It's rumored And he has been tried multiple times and was in jail multiple times for her murder. Nothing has ever stuck and her body has never been found. And so this case was giving me huge Michelle Ann Harris vibes. And I had no idea you lived so close to this one, too. Well, you know, you bring up a good good point that I wanted to just touch on, um, actually. Can Brian Walsh be convicted of murder if the police don't find Anna Walsh's body? Yeah. Is is he going to Cal Harris this? No, he's not going to Cal Harris this, and I'll tell you why. We're going to have to do an episode on Cal Harris since we're talking about it. But the the reason why is um, this guy in particular, and and what this was irrelevant during the Michelle Ann Harris murder trial. This guy's Google searches are incriminating as fuck. Yeah, those are very difficult to get around. They happen the same time where she disappeared. They're from his computer. You cannot explain those particularly in light of her disappearance. Because here's here's unfortunately the problem. The Quincy District Court has said that they believe that the dismembered body um, was disposed of and possibly incinerated at the trash facility before police could retrieve it. Damn. Wow. Unfortunately, the working theory at the moment by investigators is that um, the bags that her dismembered body was in were incinerated before 
they got to the trash facility in Peabody. But they did get the other evidence, like I said. Yeah, it sounds like they got enough bloody evidence and and physical evidence from some of the other things that they were able to retrieve. They might well, they not also, need a body. They also got blood from the family's home. So it wasn't just the stuff they found up here in, up in the North Shore. They got right. blood in the family's home. They found a bloody knife um, in the, the family basement. And, you know, they also, again, got the video of the expensive purchase of cleaning supplies, the google searches. You know, he, he even Google searched how how can you throw away body parts, you know, a body. Wow, you got to love the stupidity of most of these criminals. I mean, we wish they would not have committed the crime in the first place, but at least they're fucking up enough and stupid enough to leave a trail like this so that they can be punished for the shit that they've done. So the the thing is, is that, you know, yeah, maybe they don't have the body to convict, but everything else in this case, they're not going to necessarily need a body to convict him. You know what I'm saying? I exactly. Just, you know, I mean, I think he goes back. I think he, he's set to go back to court on February 9th. But at this point, like I said, he has pleaded not guilty. Those poor, 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 innocent two, four, and six-year-old children are in state custody right now. This distraught mother is over in Serbia holding on to hope that this is all one big fucking lie and that her daughter just needed to disappear and get away. Wow. Every time I read more and more about this, all I think about is that drive to Costco and sitting in that Costco parking lot and watching those fucking helicopters when they're apparently recovering all these bloody products from the damn Peabody Garbage Center. This whole thing is so heartbreaking. That's just so fucking heartbreaking, Shell. I feel like ever since the new year, because, you know, like I said, Daily Mail has a section that's all U.S. news. Like every time I go on Daily Mail, it's another U.S. mom missing, another U.S. mom. Like that's like the title, U.S. mom missing. Pull up Daily Mail right now. You'll find three of them. What the hell is going on? I, I read a story about a dad shot him. He, he murders suicide in upstate New York. He shot his 14-year-old daughter in the head and then shot himself in the head. What is going on right now? I don't understand. Yeah, everything really is really fucked up right now. Whole different podcast. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. The world is a very scary place right now. It is very fucked up. But like, was this guy mentally ill? Was he trying to get all the money? Because he did look up how to get an inheritance. He did look up what's the best state to get a divorce in. Did he do this just because if I can't have you, nobody can? Like, what? I don't understand what mindsets are. They do say that the most vulnerable times that a woman is most likely to be murdered is when she's pregnant and when she's trying to leave a relationship. You know, maybe it is. It could be any combination of if I can't have you, no one else can, or and it kind my of pride sound- is bruised or whatever. It kind of sounded like her life was starting to take off without him as far as her professional career. And right. her monetary worth. And I think he was jealous as all get out. I don't even know where the kids played in. It doesn't even seem like he wanted the kids. You know what I mean? This wasn't like, I want you out of the picture so me and my kids can go live a happy life. I don't get it. It's a high percentage of women who are trying to leave a relationship, particularly any type of controlling or abusive relationship. The significance of them getting hurt worse or killed is higher when they try and leave that's a very dangerous time for someone in an abusive relationship. And like I said, she was to the point where she had four separate properties in her name worth just under 2 million. 
Right. So maybe she was feeling like she had the the ability to lead. You know, she had, you know, her own worth where she could take care of her kids and take care of her family. So she was able to leave him and, and it fucking sucks that and I and, and that's the other thing, you know, like she owned two apartment buildings um in Lynn, Massachusetts, which Lynn that's a five minute drive from where I live. Like, right. like all of this is just. Didn't we get pizza close. from Lynn or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I took you to the beach in Lynn. Yeah. Like, this is just so close to home that it's yeah. disturbing. And like you said, just as disturbing as how close to home the, the Harris case was back, back in the day. Yeah. And, and when these things kind of happen, like you said, so close to home, it's a wake-up call. It's a reminder to pay attention not only to what's happening in your life, but to your friends too, maybe. You know, pay attention to what's going on in their life and maybe help them leave these situations. Give them the number to a domestic help hotline. And people need to be taken more seriously when they say that they're in a situation like this that's dangerous. Because it is. And, you know, there need to be, I don't know, something needs to be in place to help people leave these situations. And that just fucking sucks, man. You know what? I think we need to look at this from a different direction. Everybody talks about, you know, talk to your friends, get out, do what you can. We need to look at it from the perspective of you need to talk. You need to tell someone, tell someone that you are in trouble. Tell someone that you are frightened. No one can help you if you don't tell someone. There are so many people. You could walk up to a stranger in the grocery store, and if they know that you're not safe, they would more often than not help you. But if you don't tell someone, no one can help you if they don't know. So if you are in a situation, if you are afraid, if you are fearful for your safety, you have to tell someone that's the first step to getting help and getting out. I think we also need to start looking at from the perspective of if your friend is abusing his girlfriend or his wife, you need to say something. If your friend is being a shithead all the time to his romantic partners, you need to say something. If your Science, son silences compliance. That's right. If it's your son, if it's your brother, if it's your best friend, you need to say something. The people in that person's life need to tell that person that that's not okay. Because most of the time, you fucking know. You know that your best friend is an asshole when it comes to women. Say something. Tell him he's being an asshole. And, and we need to check that behavior from the other side too. It can't just be the weaker person in the relationship has to be careful and say something, which we should, And but it can't just be that. We need to tell these people that are being the abuser and you we know need to hold them accountable way, way sooner before it gets to this point. Because you can't tell me people didn't know. There's one one connection, you know, along this this thought process, and I want to interject this, is just as in the Idaho murder cases with this, there was a older parent somehow, some way involved. You know, in the Idaho case, the dad drove the suspect across country. In this case, um, the suspect took evidence to the mother's uh, dumpster area. Mm -hmm. If your adult children are acting like a fuck, you are still their parent. Say something. You are still their parent. It doesn't matter if they're 50 years old and you think they're abusing their wife. You are their parent. Put your kid in check, man. Right. And say Put it. Put your kid in check. And people need to say it early. We need to say it early before it gets to this point. So anyway, God wow. damn, that's a sucky story show. I'm sorry I had such a downer, sad story, but like Man. I had to go in this true crime direction because this is just, 
Oh, it's right in your face. How could you not? You know, I, I had to I had to go in person to work yesterday. Downer. Like we we talked about this like on and off all day. Like this isn't just me following this because it's so close. Like everybody is just so disgusted, mortified, sad, and heartbroken. Well, this is in your backyard. I mean, Literally. when it's I mean, not only is this a national, international, in your face kind of story. Partly because those searches and a lot of this is so wild. I mean, it's just but so like, wild. I'm not, I'm not the only person in my neighborhood that saw those right. helicopters and now know exactly. what they were doing. You know what I mean? Yep. And when it's in your backyard, in your face like that, you you just can't, you can't get away from it. And right, it, right. it's scary. Ugh, downer, man. I might not have scared you today, but... You fucking scared me. That's scary. I, I, I was just so wrapped up in this story. I had to go the true crime route today. I had to. Sometimes it's good to talk about it, you know, and get it out there and kind of address those fears and address those things. Because, you know, and and, it, and it's not just women that can fall into this. It's, oh. it's men, women, trans, anybody can find themselves in a, in a relationship that, that you... You don't need to spend time making a plan. You need to get out now. Yep. And sometimes we think we can change them or it'll get better. Or I've spent so much time with this person. I'm just going to stay. Fuck that. Start over. It's never too late. If you're ever married to someone who's trying to sell knockoffs of Andy Warhol paintings, get out now. Yeah, that might be a sign that things are bad. <laughs> But I, I do want to just say all of my love and prayers to go out to that two, four, and six-year-old children. Oh, and the mother. Oh, my heart breaks for all of them. Those those kids got a long road ahead. And I hope that there is some Massachusetts family out there that, that has the ability to be foster parents that can take these three kids in and A, keep them together. Please do not split these kids up. I, I just hope there's a family across across my 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 little state here that can take these three kids in together and love them because those kids need so much love right now. Damn. Well, Shell. Please tell me that you got something spooktacular. <laughs> well, Shell. I'm going to take you to a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Taking me to a whorehouse right now is the best thing you can do for me. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate Anytime. Anytime, Shell. You know me. I love a good whorehouse, especially a haunted one. This is why we're best friends, because she knows how to bring me out of a slump. <laughs> I go for a murder and she's like, whorehouse. And I'm like, yes. Yes, that's right. I got you. I got you, girl. <laughs> so we're going up into Alaska, the wilds of Alaska, right around the gold rush time. To a town called Skagway. Can we name this episode, Shell is Thankful for Horror Houses? Yes, that is the title of this episode. Shell is Thankful for Horror Houses. That'll Thank be you. it. Thank You're welcome. You. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we all? I mean, seriously. First no, of all, I'm no, going to just no. say legalize it. On a legitimate level, I'm being totally dead ass here, listeners. Why would you not be thankful for a horror house? I mean, why? Really? really? For really? real. I am totally down. I'm just curious about an Alaskan horror house to begin with, because all I'm thinking of is it's got to be cold. Well, cold. well, yeah, all the more reason for a whorehouse. Well, you know, anywhere there's gold, there's going to be mining towns, right? And anywhere there's mining towns, there's going to be lots of miners looking for that gold. And they all need a whore. That's right. So what year are you taking? Are you taking us to like gold mining times, like 1800s? Like when are we talking here? 
That's exactly right. Well, in 1896, gold was discovered in the Klondike region of the Yukon in northwest Canada. By the time the news hit, like the west coast of the U.S., like San Francisco and Seattle, that area, all of those people were like, there's gold in them thar hills and like ran their asses <laughs> up to Alaska, right? Right. Now, a lot of these people had families, not all of them, but quite a few of them had families. And so they would bring their families this treacherous way all the way up to Alaska. And Skagway was one of the last populated places on the way out to the wilds of Alaska where they could find this gold. So some people would leave their families behind in this town. And then these dudes would either die or find someone else while they're hundreds of miles away from their lady love. And these poor women would be left in town with no means to support themselves and possibly support their families. So, so there's like a whole town of just women? Well, no. It's, you know, where the miners go. At, at one point, there was over 15,000 miners that lived in this town. And there was about 300 prostitutes in the town at that time. Damn. So it was a very bustling town filled with miners. But what I'm saying is that there was enough women that would be left there without any means that they would quickly get caught up into the like the prostitution in order to support themselves. Bitch, you got to feed yourself and keep a roof over your head. Right. And like in many towns, there was a couple different levels of prostitution. There was your, you know, your high class prostitutes that were in the bordellos, like the place. Sure. Like the place that we're going to talk about today, which was called the Red Onion Saloon. You know, the higher class women would be in a nice bordello. All I can think of is onion is peeling back the layers. Okay, so I'm going to show you this picture and tell me if this doesn't look like an upside down vagina. All right, hold on. We got the vajayjay right here. Oh my God, it does. Right? Like if you flip that upside down, you got like your labia and you know, yeah. No, it does. It totally does, right? So yeah, I'm pretty sure they do that on purpose. Anyway, so that's the red onion saloon. Wait, wait, wait. The most important question I have throughout this whole story I have right now. Is this place still open? It is. Really? It's not a bordello any longer. You know, you can't go get yourself. As far as I know, prostitution is not legal in Alaska. But you're getting me, you're getting me confused, Shell. Hold on. All right. Take it back to the 1800s. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, gold rush, lots of miners, and three different types of, of prostitutes, right? You got your bordello prostitutes. Then you've got your uh, slightly poorer women who were in, like, small shacks or in little rooms off the alleyway. that They called those cribs. And they were usually very, very small and dirty. And then the third one, even lower than that, you had your prostitutes that literally had a mattress strapped to their back that you could have for a few pennies in an alleyway. They would just lay down on that mattress and you could, you know. You're low class, you're middle class, and you're high class whores. That's exactly right. So the Red Onion Saloon was a very high class bordello. Skagway saw its population go from a few hundred people to over 30,000 at this time. And in 1898, the Red Onion Saloon opened up. So they had a big gold rush, basically. They did. They did. Which, what does that attract? More men. Exactly. So it's a two-story building, and it had a saloon and a dance hall on the first story. And if you went up the stairs to the second story, like many of them, it had these second-story rooms. There were 10 different rooms upstairs where women would work. This brothel had a very interesting system for the patrons to come in and pick which prostitute they wanted to be with for that night. You'll never guess. I was going to say, is this like Amsterdam where they stand in front of the windows? Oh, no. Even creepier. They used 
dolls to represent each of the sex workers. They each had a doll corresponding to the woman that would work upstairs. And so downstairs in the bar area. Like a Barbie? Sort of. Well, an 1890s kind of Barbie. Probably, I'm thinking like a Raggedy Ann kind of stuff. I, I, I already got a feeling of misrepresentation here. <laughs> <laughs> I got my, I need more stuffing there. Take that stuffing out of there. <laughs> right, right. Everybody wants their doll to have a little bit more up top, a little more in the booty, a little less in the waist. But so they had 10 dolls representing each of the women uh, that worked upstairs at the, at the bar. And when a patron would come over, if the doll was laying down, he would know that she was currently busy. And if the doll was standing up, he would know that she was available to provide her services. Now, at the time, you know, it had very good working conditions. There was a madam that took care of the girls. They had bouncers that would help make sure that that everyone treated the girls well, that they didn't overspend their time. And of course, they had like the bartender. This brothel had built into it a system for payment in each of the rooms upstairs. In the floor. How technologically savvy of them. Right? They were so ahead of their time. In the floor, next to where the bed would sit, was a little, like a hole with a tube that went down from all 10 rooms that went down and connected so that it would go into a, um, a box at the back of the bar so that when the man would pay for the services of the woman, she would take the coins off her nightstand and then drop them down into this hole at the side of her bed. And then that way the bartender would know that that woman was available for the next patron. That's weird. Right? Now, there were so many men and so few sex workers in this town at that time that each worker had roughly a 12-hour shift, seven days a week. And Damn. Each Damn. Each customer was only allowed about 15 minutes to, to uh, get his groove on. Damn, now, that makes me sore. Right? Just thinking about it. Didn't get a break. It was wham, bam, I'll pay you, ma'am, every 15 minutes. For 12 hours, which would mean these women would have sex with as many as 48 men a night. And not even shower in between? Probably not. What Probably if you're not. 48? Yucky, yucky. Now, at the time, from what I understand, each roll in the hay, each 15 minutes, was worth $5. I need, I need a conversion on that before I react. Okay, because $5, but it's only 15 minutes. But, you know, you're getting a little nookie nookie here. $5 in 1898 is worth $165 today. So oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's worth 15 minutes. That's anyway. not bad. That's not bad, oh, right? Yeah. 15 minutes, you get to, you know, climb the stairway to heaven and go get a little happy ending of your own in, in room number whatever with the doll yeah. that you picked downstairs. She drops the five bucks down the chute. Well, actually, she didn't drop the whole $5. So out of that $5, each woman got to keep about $1.25 each. So, so what's that in today's money? What's that $1.25? So $1.25 is about $30. So, so they're char- they have to charge $160 and they only get to keep $30 of it? Okay, less worth it. And they only get to they only get to keep thirty of it, but that means they were making a hundred and twenty dollars an hour. But which, this is where Shell would come in and teach these women how to go into business for themselves, right? Now, at the time, women at that time legally the best job that a woman could legally have would earn her about three dollars a day. Holy shit! So these women are earning more than that in an hour. So, you know, hey, if you can stand having sex with 48 sweaty minors in a day, 
might be worth it. I don't know. You could do it, put away for a college education and be out of there in a couple of months, I imagine. Or they probably moved away and bought huge ass houses and became like, you know, the lady of the house. I hope so. I where certainly hope so. Where they never knew where she got all of her money, but she had this big rich house. That's what I would fucking do. I'd be like, oh, I'm a widow and he left me so much money. <laughs> I would hope I would do that. But at the I'm time, you know. Dick. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a, a very high turnover of women, but at least at the Red Onion, women were treated very well and they did have the bouncer. If anybody, if any client took longer than the 15 minutes, the bouncer would come up and make sure that he was thrown out promptly. What if she liked him and wanted to give him a little extra? I don't know. I guess he'd still have to pay or she'd have to wait till after her 12 hour shift. Can you imagine wanting to even look at another dick again after seeing, you know, 48? Can you imagine going home afterwards and be like, you know, honey, I'm, I'm a little tired from work. I don't think I want to fool around tonight. I think after day two, I'd be like, OK, I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some hard work right there. They earned that money. Shit. The, the way money was back then, I would have only worked like two, three days a week. The sex workers here were treated relatively well for the time. This place is not haunted by anyone that was killed by like a, a jealous client or a, a really particularly shitty, vindictive or mean client or anything like that. Which you did hear a lot about in the Wild West back then. Sure. Some, you know, sometimes these women were treated as as less than human or as just property. It sounds so like this was a classier joint, though. Very much so. It does have the reputation of having been a very classy joint. But the most famous ghost of the Red Onion Inn is a, a woman called Lydia. She was a prostitute there who was very popular, very beautiful, petite woman. Her ghost appeared to one of the employees there quite a few years ago. And unfortunately, the manner in which she appeared was the way that she died. And oh. poor, poor Lydia had an untreated case of syphilis. And, you know, sex, sexually transmitted diseases obviously were a huge problem back in that time, particularly. guys a day? Yeah. You're particularly in a brothel you're gonna have a creepy crawlies after a bit yeah exactly and her ghost even appears with pockmarks on her face and so that's oh. one of the ways you can tell that it's lydia because she'll be wearing a long dress petite woman you can see the pockmarks on her face from um the disease that's ravaging her and she took her own life in her bedroom she hung herself in the corner oh she's very often seen there hanging in the corner oh yeah her ghost is also a very considered to be a very friendly ghost particularly to women and she is a very prevalent ghost people will often report hearing her walk down the hallway and they can smell her perfume as she passes they'll very often be cold spots and employees will talk about like hanging out with another employee and then a cold spot will go between them and the one looks at the other and is like did you feel that they're like yeah i totally cold spot it's always corroborated you know one woman talked about restocking some shelves and being up on a ladder when suddenly she felt this overwhelming presence behind her and smelled the perfume that they associate with lydia oh, wow. another employee came into the room while this is happening and said 
oh, wow, I see Lydia right behind you. Oh, wow. And so, you know, it's things like that that kind of corroborate all of it. Lydia is also known to be a very mischievous ghost. She likes to, much like some of the places I've stayed where I've talked about little gremlins hiding things and then stuff showing up in other places. Yeah. Lydia does this very often. She's one of those people. She is. She'll steal things and kind of jokingly hide them or Or they'll just disappear for a short period of time only to reappear in a very unusual spot. One of the more famous tales of Lydia doing this is a red bra. Now, the whole top floor is... A red bra? Yeah, I'll get to that. Like a bra bra? Like an actual bra bra. The whole top floor that used to be the brothel is still decorated in some of the actual items that were there while Don't even tell me one of the beds are there. Or one of the beds there... I think so. Quite a few beds. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it's the same mattress, but the beds, I believe, are there. And That'd there's be quite gross. a few. I ain't sleeping on no brothel mattress. I don't think you can sleep there. It's just a museum. Oh. But they do still have a lot of the same items, the antiques and the clothing and the, the decorations, the wallpaper, everything. Just historically, that would be cool. Very cool. But as you and I both know, items hold on to energy. To people and places and things. That's right. So all of this energy is still kind of there and sitting around waiting. And so it's not surprising that Lydia's ghost is still seen there and is very, very strong. It's rumored that she doesn't like men very much and she will play tricks on them, particularly if a man is mean to a woman. Lydia is known to do things like men will go to sit down or sit back down in a chair and she'll have moved it just enough that they'll fall. Can we bring uh, Lydia up here to Massachusetts for Brian Walsh? Right. Take care of that, dude. Right. She only does things like, you know, she'll make expensive drinks will kind of disappear or, you know, she'll she'll kind of particularly focus on them in a negative way, like moving their things. You get the black velvet. She's leaving it alone. You get the Jack Daniels. Say goodbye to it. Right (laughs) now. So the staff that's there sees her often and feels her presence very often. And so do visitors. And they mostly consider that she's she's a gentle spirit, a kind spirit. Uh, but a very active spirit, not so much a um, a recording like some of the other hauntings. This seems she to be killed more... herself but didn't want to die. Right. She didn't want to leave. Now, there is one incident that seems to play over and over again that might be an incident of Lydia as a recording ghost. And that's particularly one of the hallways upstairs uh, near where her room is. People very often will hear footsteps going down that hallway. And one night in particular, the sound of footsteps or even possibly a scuffle from upstairs was so loud when it was supposed to be empty that the staff called police to come and and investigate. No shit. So the police came and when they went upstairs, they saw the figure of a young woman run away from them down the hall and into one of the rooms. And that room used to be a woman named Diamond Lil. And we'll get into her. A worker? A a sex worker? The madam. Oh, the madam. Ooh. And when they went into that room, it was empty. So where do you get to the point where I hear a noise to I call the cops? Because I've heard noises. We've all lived in houses where we hear noises. I'm going and looking. Were they freaked out enough that, or or was it to an extent, like, when do you call the cops? Right. It sounds like they were freaked out enough. And from the accounts that I've seen and I've heard, the employees there are very, very familiar with unusual noises and footsteps and strange like things they happening. Should be. <laughs> right? So this was a, was unusual enough that they thought that someone had broken into the supposed to be empty second floor. 
So tell me about the madam. One of the madams there is a woman rumored to have been a woman named Diamond Lil. And Diamond Lil is actually famous for having been a madam in the United States back in the 1800s. And she's called a legendary courtesan. She immigrated to the U.S. when she was a teenager and to Montana, actually. She married there. And when that marriage failed, she started going across the country, singing and dancing, kind of doing like a vaudeville act to support herself and became very, very famous doing that. During that time, she also supported herself by going to brothels and being a sex worker. She ended up in Skagway during the gold rush and became madam of the Red Onion Saloon for a short period of time. Now, Diamond Lil was six foot tall and had a diamond in her front tooth. She was known for being outspoken, big body, and larger than life. Nobody crossed Diamond Lil. She spoke that her diamond, mind. That, that diamond was like her status symbol. That's right. She worked at Bordello's because she wanted to. She sung and she danced because she wanted to. And nobody was going to tell Diamond Lil what the fuck to do or what not to do. And so she was a very popular madam at the Red Onion for a short period of time. And it's rumored that she was the madam at the time that Lydia was there. And that possibly that recording ghost could be Lydia or one of the other young women uh, who was abused by a, um, there's a, a guard that's also rumored to be a ghost at the Red Onion that was murdered by one of the sex workers there. Oh. He was a pretty bad dude. I mean, I guess he used to regularly abuse the women, rape the women and cause problems and would uh, blackmail them to not tell anyone. And so this went on for a little while, uh, right under the noses of Diamond Lil and the, I guess the, the bodyguards that were the, the other bodyguards that were there until one of the women had enough and murdered him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's thought that maybe the ghost that's seen running down the hallway to Diamond Lil's old room might be one of the women that he was abusing, trying to get away from him and running for like the safety of the madam's room. So the male ghost that's also seen, his name is John, and he is a former bodyguard that was there. And although this was an upscale brothel and everyone was supposed to be treated, you know, as well as I guess you could be treated for being a prostitute in the late 1800s, he would abuse the women and kept them quiet by blackmailing them. Uh, he would threaten to hurt their children. He'd threaten to cause all sorts of problems, get them fired and throw them out. This sounds more like what I'm used to hearing about as far as 1800s brothel type situations. Exactly. And so this went on for quite a while, I guess, and, and got more and more sadistic. He was not a nice person. I mean, really shitty and did terrible things to these women. And I guess they got en had enough. And rumor has it that they kind of got together and tricked him. And one of the women murdered him with a cleaver. Wow. So his ghost is still there. And he's mean. That ghost, you need to stay away from. He's often preceded by the smell of like stinky feet, like a dude who has like bad foot odor, taking his shoes off, his sneakers off at the end of the day, that kind of smell. Oh, Lord. If you smell that, get the fuck out because he does hurt people. Oh, and like, like, like you actually like hurt, hurt, like actually hurt, hurt. Like he's been known to leave bruises, scratches, cause people to fall down. 
at one point he appeared in front of two construction workers, two guys that were working there, and he pushed them down the stairs and they both suffered uh, bruises, contusions, broken bones. Oh, wow. He is not a good ghost. He's a very violent spirit. Oh, wow. There's even, uh, there's stories of one of the employees that was there who didn't know about John, who didn't know the dangers of him appearing. And she smelled this terrible odor. And she's in a room alone. And just all of a sudden, this stinky foot odor appears. And she's like, kind of smelling around the room trying to find the source of this odor. Right. (laughs) And it's just like in a spot in the room. There's no vents. There's nothing there. She couldn't figure out what was going on. So she went and she got her boss and brought her in. And she's like, you know, I'm smelling this odor. And the woman was immediately like, you're smelling what? Let's go check. Get out now. So they went to the room and she's like, now tell me again what you smelled and where. So they went to the spot and it wasn't there anymore, but they caught whiffs of it. It had moved five feet closer to where the woman normally stood to work. Oh. And the boss was like, get your things. We're leaving. We're locking up for the day and left and wouldn't talk about it. Wouldn't say his name. Wouldn't even discuss it until they were well away from the property. So the common knowledge is, I guess it's not really a rule, but they don't talk about him. He's not to be talked about on property. And some people that work there. who shall not be named. Right? (laughs) Because he'll retaliate. If you don't talk about him, he'll stay away for a long time. But if you talk about him, he's more likely to come around. Now let me ask you this. You said this was a museum. Do they talk about him at the museum? No, they try not to. Employees for the most part. Don't talk about him. Even former employees have a difficult time off premises talking about him. I want to go to this place and I want to talk some shit about this guy because you know me. I am so fucking. You would. You're going to bring that Ouija board. You'll be like, hey, John, shithead. What's your problem, John? Hey, douchey douche, come talk to us. And you're like, I'm a woman. Come here. Talk to me. (laughs) Or I'll be like, don't talk to me like that. I'll fuck you up, bitch. That's right. That's right. And then I'll probably end up with like cuts all across me. I've heard some employees are like, yeah, people have said before, why don't you try to get rid of him if he's so bad? And they're like, you just don't fuck with that. You just, you don't understand. You just now, don't know you until this. you've been there. He's that have they, bad. Have they sent any like, um, like psychics, mediums, whatever, ghosty people, like professional ghost adventures? Oh yeah. People There's- love to go there. They're constantly getting photos and possibly one other woman. There's rumors that Diamond Lil is there. She did not die there. <clears throat> and I could not find any employees who would corroborate that her ghost has been seen there. But some people say that they think they've seen Diamond Lil there. And I would think a six foot tall ghost with a diamond in her mouth would be pretty distinctive. So I don't know, but employees are pretty adamant that her spirit is not there. Lydia's is, another woman's is, and the bad one, the guy, that former bodyguard, he is also there. And they get pictures of him all the time, orb photos, uh, fuzzy ghost figure photos. And so it's a very, very active place where you can get lots of photographic evidence and even EVP evidence, which is online if you want to go look for it. Oh, interesting. I just, I just think it's, I just think it's, it's a little, I'm surprised there's not more ghosts there, I guess is my point. I I would have assumed that a brothel in Alaska, late 1800s with a madam called Diamond Lil, that that place would just be creeping and crawling with, with, with hookers and hoes, you know, like 
man whores all abound and hookers everywhere. You'd think you would. I think. would and expect. It- to, I would expect to go there and hear a bed going. You know, I would be. I, I'd walk in there with the expectation of you know this whole bum chicka bum bam. Hey, apparently the noises upstairs are very common. Walking oh, around they? the creeks, yeah, <laughs> even the sound of money going down that special you know money shoot that they had. That's pretty convenient, I have to say. All I can think of is Ebenezer Scrooge sending your money down, <laughs> right? <laughs> but they got the keep a dollar 25 from each one right i suppose as long as you didn't get syphilis or some other gonorrhea some other terrible right you 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 made bank but yeah so that's my ghost story the red onion saloon in skagway alaska i want to go dolls i want to go there i want to take a ouija board and i want to talk to john I'm really surprised, honestly, that the dolls are haunted. I kind of expected when I first looked into this story to find a story of haunted dolls that's in the I brothel it, in Alaska. That's what I figured that that you were going to allude to, like, the place was just crawling with ghost Haunted hookers. dolls. <laughs> haunted hookers. I thought, yeah, they, I, I thought this was a haunted hookers story. I really did. Yeah, I thought it was a Robert the Doll story, but with sex worker dolls. And, you know, I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't, but very good story nonetheless. And creepy you know, ghost. We could actually make a good story about sex worker dolls that are haunted. That's a different podcast show. I, I think we need to write a book on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want some of what you're smoking. <laughs> right? Right? You know, my mind just, it just takes me there sometimes. But yeah, I, I do want to go fuck around and find out at this place because that would be so fun. Um, me I'd too. Probably, I'd probably regret it. But right now in the moment, I think it would be fun. I, I do think that um, before we close off here for the, for the day, I do want to point out that maybe in another episode or two, both Layla and I will circle back and give an update on both the Idaho case as well as the Massachusetts case because they are uh, current event stories and and. We are each intrigued by these stories. And in the spirit of, we do touch on true crime here. Um, we probably at some point will circle back with some updates on both of those. Yeah, definitely give you some updates, hopefully some closure, you know, with some convictions and find out what happens when these go to trial. But I'd also at some time like to do an episode on Michelle Ann Harris because her case is mysterious and creepy and and uh, also way too close to home for both of way us. Way too close to home. And there have been trial after trial, convictions and overturnings. And, it, and it's one of those cases that's heartbreaking and mysterious and definitely deserves a very close look. Oh, my God. You know what I just thought of? What's that, Shell? The day that Michelle Ann Harris went missing in upstate New York. September 11th, 2001, a day of infamy. You and I lived together then. Holy shit, we did. Remember? I do remember. Oh we my gosh. Yeah, we were I had the bong called the Overtoke Ferry. You did. And then it broke. <laughs> I miss the Overtoke Ferry. I miss the Overtoke Ferry too. My sweet, amazing husband is always getting me gorgeous pieces of glass, I have to say. Like the bowl I'm smoking out of today. Wait, didn't I break the Overtoke Ferry? Yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up, but uh, still bitter, Shell. Still bitter. Shell's, <laughs> Shell's been a bad girl. That's right. No, you've more than made it up. Not that I, you know, not that I'm holding it against you or anything, but you've more than made up for it on many an occasion. Don't you worry. Glass breaks. But, but you did it. But you did it, Shell. But you, but did, you it. did it. 
but don't forget you did but it yeah but yeah we lived together um when when michelle ann harris went missing so yeah i just thought that's of that. right that's right and we have our own thoughts as do many people that live in the area both you know for and against but different podcasts we'll get different into podcasts. it later but i do think that that, and that would be a good uh, true crime episode for us is is to check that case out down the road i agree so the other news that we have to announce before we wrap up our episode for today is yes, shell gets what Shell and I have some amazing news for the new year. For 2023, we are launching a brand new podcast focusing on witchcraft and getting back in touch with our witchy sides. And it is called Back, back on, on the, the Broomstick. Broomstick. But but fear not, our stoned witches friends. We're not going anywhere because this awesome podcast right here is staying right where it's at. And we're going to be coming to you week after week with our crazy weed, our ghosty stories, and I'm going back to cryptids, I think, next week because, you know, I got to get that cryptid love back. So so we're not going anywhere here. So please fear not. But if you are of, of kind of any sort of witchy flavor, any sort of pagan or spiritual flavor, definitely you're going to want to check out Back on the Broomstick. We're going to be taking that one in a different direction. But like I said, fear not. We're still here. And we're still high. So join us every Friday for Back on the Broomstick starting on Friday, January 27th for all of your witchy tips, tricks, rituals, spells, and to hear us talk about our witchy past lives and our witchy future. And uh, of course, join us next Wednesday at 4.20 a.m. for episode 54 of the Stoned Witches Hour. Shit, 54, man. That's I know. Lot. We're doing good. For a couple of stoners, I'm pretty fucking impressed. Right? And to all of our listeners who's been with us for at least 30 episodes, you're the best. You're the best. If you've been here for one episode, we love you even more. No, that's not true. We have our loves. You know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. We love you all. Thank you all so much for joining us on the Stoned Witches Hour. Stay high and stay happy.